Another iconic abbreviated sandwich, the PB&J, is as American as USA. A delicious sandwich that can be prepared in seconds with products available at every corner store. Nobody is ever disappointed to open their sandwich baggie and find a PB&J. Or, the PB&J is to sandwiches as America is to nations of the world. Loud, brash, wrong. A mixture of things that don't really go well together, but somebody did it anyways. Firstly, why put jelly on a sandwich? Second, what is your obsession with peanut butter? Come on, guys. Surely Jimmy Carter didn't influence your country that much. Who's right? Let's find out. This week, on our ongoing quest to pick our favorite sandwich, the peanut butter and jelly. Is it affordable? Ethical? Is it healthy and clean? Is it first aid appropriate, even though he's married? Is the origin true? Doesn't matter to me. All that really matters is celebrities. Joe will pick a sandwich now. It's his religion to figure it out. He ate the food. He'll rate. He'll choose. Will it end up on the menu? Oh, what sandwich will he choose? Joe picks a sandwich now. Damn, the PB&J. Is the peanut butter and jelly sandwich the most American sandwich? It's a good question, Joe. The BLT, that was pretty American. I think all these abbreviated sandwiches are almost by definition the most American because as we did discuss, the Americans sort of invented the abbreviating of things. Well, America loves acronyms. I mean, our country is called USA. I know, I know. (laughs) And I don't think it's... uh, a coincidence that all of these iconic sandwiches are also three letters. I mean, that's right. we we own that WW two WW one. France doesn't call itself F F. Right. Took me a while to figure that one out, Joe. You were waiting yeah. for the rest of the joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. They don't. I I don't know why they don't, Joe. I mean, I mean, actually, you know, maybe they do. I don't know. It's iconic. It would be iconic, you know. <laughs> wow. Congratulations to this year's World Cup champions. F. F. Woo. Bonjour. Oh. Well, Dan, I'm excited to talk about this sandwich. Uh, you know, it 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 is the sandwich that people asked me about the most when I told them we were doing a sandwich podcast. Yeah, well, Joe, before we can get to the sandwich, I, I do have some uh, administrivia here we have to get through first. First, thanks to Bez for the con for the PB&J. The pro was written by yours truly. Second, you can now find us on Twitter, Joe, at twitter.com slash JoePicksPod. Wow. What what type of stuff is Joe Picks Pod going to be tweeting out? Well, I, I tweeted my picture of my PB&J that I, I bought from the store earlier this week. And, you know, okay. exclusive content about upcoming live podcast tour dates, Joe. Oh, perfect. Okay. Uh, opportunities for merch. Merch opportunities. Okay. We're going to be tweeting out uh, all of our sponsors. Like, of course, at, for this episode, at GIF and at Smuckers. You know, it's... I'm glad that we're, and you surprised me with this. I mean, I didn't know you were doing this. I'm glad that we are on other social media platforms because because one of our fans on the Reddit page asked a question. I'm not sure if you saw it. In one of the posts, they asked, are we on any other social media? Because they just love talking about sandwiches. 
I mean, Joe, what do you think inspired me to create the the Twitter name? It was it was that pod. It was that uh, post on the subreddit. So when I went back to that person's post history, they're right. They they posted. They've been on Reddit for like four years. They've posted like eight different things, and they were all about sandwiches. And what I don't want to tell them is that there is like a thriving both Reddit sandwiches and Reddit eat sandwiches are very popular and thriving communities. But I want this person to stay in our community, so I don't want him or her to know about it yet. Yeah. Well, look. The the Joe Pick subreddit might still be the place to go because Joe, when I was registering this Twitter handle, I of course first wanted to get like something more specific to the podcast. So I looked up sandwich pod, taken, mm-hmm. sandwich podcast, also taken. And Joe, this might be a little ominous. Both of them, as you might imagine, were podcasts about sandwiches. Neither one of them lasted ten episodes. Wow. Wow. I mean, and they, they both are, are like years and years old. And I'll tell you, for one of them, I don't remember which one, their second to last episode was about a PB&J. So this, so, so, and I think this is maybe our seventh or eighth episode. So if we do this, this could be our, this could be our penultimate episode. I think this is, I think they did PB&J also in the eighth episode. They did one more episode and then that's it. It's just, lost, they, they stole the Twitter handle, you know, it's, it's theirs forever, but the tw- it's just like ruins, you know? But more importantly, that means that when we get to our 10th episode, we've, we've hit a milestone. It's like when, uh, when sitcoms get like 100 episodes and they're excited because they get syndication. Like, that's, we've made it at 10 episodes. Once we get to 10 episodes, we, we, you know, we're the king. We've won. Yep, I agree. I agree. Twitter should just hand over those handles to us. Yeah, it's a, it's a battle of attrition, Joe, and if there's anything we'll... <laughs> We can stick to it. As I've seen you in your everyday life dealing with your three children, just put your head down, grind out these episodes. Sometimes I'm going to be horribly drunk and the episode is really going to be a disaster. But you know what, Joe? Just don't listen to that one. Quality be damned. We will trudge forward. (laughs) And also, I should note, I also tried to get Joe Picks and Joe Sandwich. Both of those are taken, and I believe by somebody named Joe Picks and somebody named Joe Sandwich. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. It is fair, but Joe, I think we should have them as guests on one of our, maybe once we get to uh, episode 11, so we've become the longest uh, sandwich podcast, let's just have, that should be like our, instead of waiting for 100 episodes, let's just celebrate 11. What do you think someone named Joe Picks sees when, like, what does he think when he sees Joe Picks podcast? <laughs> He's like, he, he probably is freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like we should do a season just about that guy. Because I'll tell you, if there was the uh the Dan Birkin podcast and it was just like a random podcast about like I don't even know about sandwiches. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty freaked out. I'd That'd be, be pretty, pretty freaked out. I, I guess Joe Sandwich is probably he's probably heard it before, but Joe Picks is definitely like this is weird. So, Dan, before we get into the peanut butter and jelly, we have, back by popular demand, Sandwich Court. Wow. You, you want to get into Sandwich Court because I have one. Uh, see, this week, Joe, not drunk. I made an outline, and I, I have two actual tidbits that came from your wife in a, in a phone call I had with her earlier today. First, she was telling me that you were a little distracted this week by some sort of cake baking competition. Yeah, I wasn't a cake baking competition. I made uh, what I think is a pretty darn impressive cake. But under this isn't 
from what I understand, this wasn't like this isn't like you making a cake for some friends. This was an actual like competition with like judges and other. No, it was a competition that I had to apply for and get in based on my previous cake portfolio, uh, and I was accepted. And I competed. My cake had a lot of elements, a lot of moving pieces, and a lot of lights, which is not common to cakes. It was the only cake that moved. Can you eat um, the lights? My cake. Other. So now this is. I'm glad you asked that, Dan. Other people use styrofoam for their like cake pieces because the the contest was all about decoration. You couldn't even serve the cake. Hmm. My cake, other than having some mechanical pieces, everything except the mechanical pieces was edible. So I feel like I should have gotten some bonus points for the judges. If you can tell from my bitterness, I didn't win. So in some sense, this is like a sculpture competition, but you just have to have some sort of like cake batter in there. Well, no. So, I mean, I was entered into... And frosting? I was entered into the amateur fondant category. So, uh, basically, 80% of the cake had to be covered in fondant. Uh, the theme was um, uh, springtime in the Pacific Northwest, which is a terrible theme, by the way. Hmm. How did your cake employ that theme? Oh, I mean, it was actually really fucking awesome. And I'll post pictures of it to the uh, subreddit for people to see. What? Joe, post it on the, the Twitter. Oh, sure. I'll tweet him out. So it had a cityscape on the bottom of, of Seattle that lit up like a cityscape at night. The giant Seattle Ferris wheel, which actually turned. Um, and my buddy Perry helped me with the CNC machine to cut out a perfect Ferris wheel. Um, and then the second level had like these cool Seattle waves. It had a ferry that rocked like on the water. How, uh, did, this, how did this possibly lose? I know. That's I've been asking that same question all since... You know, since yesterday. Uh, and then on the top, it had two orca whales because the orcas kind of famously come back to Seattle during the springtime, like a mama and a baby orca. And underneath, the water lit up in this very cool, like, like alternating pattern. Well, first, I really want to see a picture of this cake. Second of all, I think I have a suspicion, Joe, that they probably thought you were a professional just sort of sandbagging in the amateur division. No, I mean, look, look, you know, here's the thing about the cakes. And I'll send you a picture of the one that won, too. Well, I have a lot of inventiveness. I don't quite yet have the technical precision of some of these other bakers where, like, you know, when you cover a cake in fondant, there's, like, the way that most people do it. And then when you are very, very good, you do it in a way that, like, it looks perfectly smooth as if, like, the cake has been, like, I mean, you know, just, like, there's not one bump or, like, misshape on it. And, like, mine has some, like, you can see the seams. And I mean that, like, literally there are seams in, like, the fondant. Like, you can see them. Where, like, other people are just better at the technical side of it. And it was clear that the judges were were more, gave more credit to technical precision than they did creativity. Though, though the cake that won first prize in my category was both very technically precise and very creative. So I shouldn't talk shit. But, like, um, but like I should have gotten third place, to be honest. So you didn't even get in the top three? How many How many people entered? I think in my category, there are probably like about 20. Oh, all right. That's not bad. Yeah. Do you feel and like you would have gotten like fifth? No. Well, well, what I will say is, you know, this was an all-day event. And there were like a thousand people there probably. Like a huge convention, right? And like, so I hung out in the room quite a bit. And like people, it was fun to see people like taking pictures of my cake. They were like talking about it. Like if they did like, um, if they did a fan vote I would have won, which allows me to say that even though I didn't win the contest, I feel like I won the popular vote. (laughs) 
And Joe, there's, that's worth so much. So it, it I is. guess your next thing is you've got to write a book about your experience, Joe. What happened in KCON yeah. 2019? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I, I hope when people saw your cake, you can say you can hear more about other food creations I make on my podcast. Oh, God, that's the I should have had a podcast business card. We need you one. A- you absolutely should have. Although, again, that might get you bumped into the professional division, which you definitely don't want, Joe. Well, I mean, that would be at Sandwich Con. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're definitely professionals. Although, this leads me to the second bit of information that my sister told me over the phone. She said she is almost entirely sure you did not have a single peanut butter and jelly sandwich this week. Yeah, she told me she, she told me that she said that to you. I was like, Liz, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll get to it in the prep. I absolutely ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich this week. All right, all right. Because... Joe, I was thinking that might be our case for sandwich court, but look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put you under the polygraph. I trust you. I trust you. Yeah, I mean, look, Liz isn't with me 24 hours a day. She doesn't know all my all my sandwich habits. She doesn't know if you're sneaking a PB and J. No, she no, she certainly wouldn't. Yeah, I can imagine that. I can imagine <laughs> that. You're busy people, Joe. You're in CakeCon. She's out yeah. calling me while picking up her children. Liz, you don't know every sandwich I eat. <laughs> hope that doesn't come up in the divorce if that were to happen <laughs> you don't know I mean, at least me. people will be talking about our podcast then <laughs> yeah it's really what we need joe but look speaking of our podcast and we're finishing this episode hey let's get to the next segment joe sandwich court now joe oh nice i love in it. the criminal justice system sandwich-based crimes are considered especially detasteable in San Francisco and Seattle, the dedicated podcasters arbitrate these delicious cases are members of an elite squad known as the Sandwich Undercover Branch, or SUB. These are their stories. <laughs> Dan, I love it. I love All right. it. All right. If we could only get Dick Wolf to produce our podcast. <laughs> Boy, we need that executive. You know what? <laughs> Dick Wolf is the executive producer of this podcast. He gets it for free. Yeah, we'll give him an EP credit. No who, problem. Who's ever in charge of our IMDb page, put that up there. <laughs> now, Joe. Produced by Dick Wolf. Please say that in the credits, Dan. Scene opens in a courtroom. All right. Uh, everybody, everybody, please, please. Quiet, quiet. Everybody. Uh, Quiet! Order! All right. What a rabble, Joe. I like how last week I couldn't get you to download a gavel sound effect, and this week you're we're doing full, like, radio theater. Yeah, well, Joe, the difference <laughs> of last week of being out drinking all day and then drinking heavily during the podcast and now being my normal, delightful self, Joe. I can, I can hear the jurors murmuring in the background. I, I can keep the murmur going on the entire time. <laughs> Please do. So, Dan... Um, we have gotten quite a bit of sandwich court heat on the Reddit page. Wow. Lots of people asking sandwich court questions. And I would encourage people to go to our Reddit page. There is a special post just for sandwich court cases. Bring them to us. Now, now, Joe, some of us last week were, uh, maybe not having our full memory of what happened. Yeah. Even after having to listening to their drunken self record a podcast so for any new viewers or any other people who might have participated last week what exactly happens in sandwich court so 
Sandwich court is a place for the many disputes about sandwiches because sandwiches are something that people, as we have found out already in this podcast, passionately, passionately argue about. We will not take any cases regarding is this a sandwich, is a hot dog a sandwich, is a burrito a sandwich, is a club sandwich a sandwich, whatever. We're not talking about it, Dan. We remand all those cases to the lower courts. However, that doesn't mean there aren't significant disputes. So our first sandwich court, Dan, what did we talk about? Do you remember? Hmm. Let's see. Is a oh oh uh could you put um cheese, cheese on a on BLT? A BLT? Yes. Yep. And so, and I believe I if memory serves me correctly, and again I did have to listen to it, I believe I just uh remanded the judgment unilaterally. Yeah. <laughs> which um yeah. you as my fellow justice were you felt like uh, one of the one of the justices like putting in a scathing dissent, even though you agreed with me. But you were so upset with the way in which I had made my judgment that uh, the court almost disbanded, Joe. I felt like the Senate was filibustering my confirmation at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, uh, no. So, so here's how it works: whichever one of us is bringing the case to Sandwich Court, which last week was me, this week it's me. But you know. I'm sure you'll have a case to bring before sandwich court at some point. Uh, I, in this case, I will give both the prosecution and the defense arguments in the case. Now, a slight clarification question. Yes. If I am bringing a case to sandwich court, will you read the Dick Wolf style sandwich court intro? Oh, I'd be happy to. I feel like I have the voice for it. (laughs) I'm I'm excited. Now I need to go find a case, Joe. (laughs) Um. Once we hear the case, and obviously you can ask clarifying questions, uh, you will issue a ruling, and then I will issue a ruling. If our rulings are in sync, it's a unanimous decision. It has been officially decided sandwich court has ruled. If, however, we have a split court, which I'm sure will happen, then it goes to the appellate court, which is the people, and we'll do a vote on the Reddit page to officially have a sandwich court ruling. I think it is it is just and fair. So, are you ready for this week's case? <sighs> ready as I'll ever be. So this week's Sandwich Court comes from podcast listener Galen, who asked, at what point is one supposed to remove the toothpick from a sandwich that is held together with a toothpick? Ah. And there are actually three possibilities that were given. Do you remove the toothpick before eating the sandwich? Do you remove it once you get to the toothpick? Or do you leave it in as long as humanly possible, eating around the toothpick until it's like the last possible bite? Ah, uh, yes. The old uh, ring around the rosy. The old toothpick reach around. <laughs> the old toothpick two bite. Yeah. So let me give my arguments here. And I think it's fairly simple. The argument for Wait, removing Joe, it. Joe, no, no case is simple in sandwich court. We've remanded I'm, all of those cases. Once a case reaches this, this highest level of sandwich court, the uh, sandwich undercover branch. I'm, I'm just a simple sandwich court lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big city sandwich lawyer like y'all. <laughs> okay. Uh, if If you're... If you're eating a sandwich, you want to be eating a sandwich unfettered. Presumably, you are not to be ableist about it, a person with two working hands. 
take the toothpick out of the sandwich and eat it. You don't want your bites to be, you don't want to bite into a toothpick. And especially if it's one of those plastic toothpicks, take the, take the toothpick out and eat your sandwich and use your hands to hold it. Joe, those plastic toothpicks, you bring one, one of those anywhere near San Francisco, you're going away for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Same in Seattle. Things I hate crime. Or the point of the toothpick, Dan, is to keep your sandwich neat and clean. Why else have the toothpick? When it's just sitting there on the plate, it doesn't need a toothpick. The toothpick is obviously there to hold the sandwich together while you eat it. You want to be able to take a bite and put it back down and take a break from your sandwich. So why the hell would you remove the toothpick? Those are the arguments, Dan. Well, Justice Mizrahi, I feel like the – well, I guess, hold on. In this case, you are uh, – uh, Barrister Mizrahi. Well, and, yeah. And that, justice. It's yeah. a weird well, system well, we have. I, I'm, I'm talking to Barrister now, and okay. then I will, I will talk to justice later. So Barrister Mizrahi, I think you have argued both sides truly – I think I can make a a fair determination, and I believe I have made my determination. Of course, it is only mine. Justice Mizrahi also makes his equal (laughs) determination that I will not overshadow. But, and and perhaps uh, as uh, the word ableist came up, and I don't want to obviously take away from people out there with, you know, real disabilities, I as far as I'm concerned, don't have that many. However, or don't have any. I'm, I'm fairly perfectly able. But <laughs> I do sometimes, you know, take a bite of a fork that's, like, wrong. And it's, like, it's really painful. Like, you, you, you sort of forget how, like, oftentimes you, like, put something in your mouth and, like, get the fork out of there and don't bite it. If you ever bite a fork, it's a real problem. If you ever, like, accidentally bite your finger, it's a real problem. And I'll tell you, if you accidentally bite a toothpick, you are in major, major trouble. Because that toothpick is going to do some massive severing of your gum tissue, Joe. Soft, very bloody gum tissue. And I'll say this. You say, well, what is the point of the toothpick? I think the toothpick does have value. As after a sandwich is constructed, it's sort of been put together and the components have been arranged in a certain way and sometimes that sandwich is going to have to be transported to its final destination and as the sandwich is moving around you know the waiter or whatever might be handling a sandwich and i think waiter would almost be in every case because i think you know nobody's putting toothpicks in their sandwiches at home unless they're you know crazy but you know the you can imagine a a person at a cocktail hour with uh, sandwiches on one of those trays. You know they're weaving in throughout people. They're bobbing. People are bumping into them. I think those toothpicks are serving a, a purpose on the platter. But I think for me, once I'm starting to eat that sandwich, it's just too risky to have that toothpick anywhere near it. Can't do it. If I bite into that toothpick, it's it's going to ruin my week. You know, not not even the sandwich. You know. Those gum injuries are the worst. You're always prodding at them with your tongue. No. To me, out of pure safety, and I consider safety a very important thing for everybody out there in Sandwich Nation, I say the toothpick must be taken out prior to that first bite of the sandwich. Put that toothpick off to the side. 
Of course, a wooden toothpick, no plastic toothpicks. Eat the sandwich. Let that wooden toothpick biodegrade. That is my ruling. Wow. Thank you for your well-reasoned ruling, Justice Birkin. However, I must dissent. Oh, my goodness. I'm actually shocked at your ruling. Uh, the, the whole point of the toothpick. Wait, wait. Is, what, what kind of dissent is this? Is this a vigorous dissent? Uh, I would say it is, it is uh, bordering on an outraged dissent. Wow. Wow. <laughs> the, the whole point of the toothpick is to keep your sandwich together. We aren't animals here, Dan. Here's what I'll say. Please, please let it be noted that one justice has referred to the other one as an animal. I, I, I literally said we aren't animals, Dan. Look, well, that's what you're implying based on I'm, my ruling. But that's fine. I'm sorry I lost my cool there, <laughs> Justice Birkin. But, but, but so strongly do I feel about this issue. Look, I don't want to have to eat my sandwich in one sit, I want to be able to put it down, take a bite of a pickle, take a bite of a French fry. Once you take the the toothpick out, it's ruined. You just you have to power through the entire sandwich. I say leave the toothpick in as long as possible. Keep the sandwich as clean as possible. It's the only way. When you're at a party or at like a barbecue and someone gives you like meat on a stick, do you just take it off the stick and hold it in your hands bare? Sometimes. No, you eat it off the stick. <laughs> Yeah, that's also risky. You can when someone gives yourself you, with one of those When someone sticks. gives you an ice cream cone, do you just like dump the ice cream into the palm of your hand and throw out the cone? Ice cream cone is different, although you can sort of cut yourself on that. I actually have cut myself on those <laughs> sticks where you're like trying to – if you there's like an onion that's like super deep in there and you think you can sort of get to it uh, just with the stick in your mouth, but you, you sort of uh, misjudge it. And then it's like the stick goes a little too far, pokes your cheek. Very painful, Joe. Justice Birkin – Take smaller bites. Watch where you're eating. Leave the toothpick in. I refuse. I will take big, aggressive bites and without fear of a toothpick ruining, you know, ripping apart uh, the, the very flesh of my body. Ugh, too dangerous. Okay. Okay. So we have our first sandwich court split court, uh, which was going to happen eventually. So, I mean, it, at, at this point, it goes to the appellate court that goes to the sandwiches and we'll have them vote on the Reddit page. All right. Well, I think this is going to be great, Joe, because as justices, we are both insulated from the people. And that is what it's all about being on the. It is a lifetime appointment. That's true. Undercover branch. But, Joe, we also must not lose ourselves and not forget what it is like to be among the common rabble. So I think whichever one of us, whichever one of our rulings is the one that is upheld by the appellate court. I think that justice is really going to um, have a little pep in their step. Yeah, it's a little feather in your uh, in your in your robe, quaff, or whatever that thing's called. A uh, toothpick in your sandwich, as it were. <laughs> All right, Dan. There's sandwich court. All right. Well, that was great. And now, with that behind us, it's time to talk about the PB and J. We're here. We did it, Joe. What is your history with the PB&J, this iconic sandwich? I mean, of course, you know, like any American, I, I've i eaten probably more PB&Js than any other sandwich ever by a factor of 10. Yeah. Um, because I have three children, I make peanut butter and jelly. I mean, you see me on vacation. I'm basically my half my day is 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 covered in a thin layer of peanut butter. Yeah. 
I will say though, I make less peanut butter and jelly sandwiches than I think my parents did because like half the kids in my kid's school have a peanut allergy. So there are whole classrooms that are like peanut free areas. But I still make a shitload of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's actually an interesting thing where if you were looking at the sandwiches with like a long-term view, it said that the PB&J sandwich is being like its popularity and certainly its, its long-term viability is probably being heavily, heavily impacted by like the rise of peanut allergies. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in my kids, so my older daughter's in, in elementary school and, you know, it's a, it's a public school. So it's like the wild west. You could, you could pack like a, you know like a live boar with like a fork and they'd be like, yeah, whatever, you know? Um, but, but the daycare is like, <laughs> they, they would really be like, whatever, Joe. <laughs> yeah. The daycare, the daycare is, uh, is literally when you walk in, there is two signs on the door. One sign says, do not let anyone in without being buzzed in. You're like not supposed to hold the door. Cause it's like a security risk. The second sign said, this is a peanut-free zone. That's it. Two signs. Those are the two most important things. So I cannot pack my younger two children peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Very interesting. I mean, it, obviously, if somebody does have a peanut allergy, it makes complete sense. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you don't I want mean, people dying because of a fucking sandwich. Yeah. But I mean, we'll be getting into uh, the history in just a second. But Joe, I'm going to take you through the past history. But I mean, I think there is going to be a future history at which point the PB&J is just going to be banned. It's just not going to be allowed anywhere, unfortunately. But yeah, it's like the NFL. It's a, it's a dying. It's a, it's a dying sandwich. Yeah, we got to enjoy it. What's, enjoy it while we can't like the tuna fish salad. It's <laughs> what's your history with the PB&J? Well, I mean, it, it's it's. Almost no different than yours. And I, the question I was going to ask is like, is the PB&J sandwich the, the sandwich that you've consumed more than any other? And, you know, you said yes by a factor of 10. And I, I mean, for me, I don't have children, so I'm not making them PB&Js. But I think this answer has to be yes, because it, this is just a sandwich that's like you, you can always rustle around in like anybody's cabinet and make a PB&J because like almost everybody has peanut butter. And if they, you know, some, not as many people have jelly, but you can still make a peanut butter though. It's a different sandwich, but like bread, peanut butter. And then if you've got jelly, put in that jelly is almost the simplest possible sandwich you can make. Absolutely. Like it's much simpler than a ham sandwich because ham is obviously something that uh, goes bad. Not everybody eats ham. You know, you you have to open that ham and, like, smell it. And it's like, oh, is this good? Is this bad? Whatever. You know, it's like peanut butter, as far as I'm concerned, never goes bad. I don't know if it does. I don't think jam really goes bad. So, I mean, jam goes bad, but after, like, a long time. Yeah. So th- this is just a type of sandwich that is just, like, so easy to make. It's it's just a sandwich that, of course, my parents made for me. It's, a, it's the type of sandwich that I made for myself. Right. So, right. you know. I'm sure, I mean, and for both of us, I think this is probably the sandwich I've had more of than any other sandwich in my life. So, you know, not as much recently, although not only this week, but even in the weeks leading up to this week, once we started the sandwich podcast, I think I probably had like, I don't know, 15 PB&Js in the last two months, just because I started (laughs) buying sandwich ingredients and having them around more. And, you know, if it's like midnight and I'm hungry... It's like, you know, sometimes I would make some spaghetti or whatever, but now it's just like, all right, just make a PB&J. Great. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing about the sandwich too that makes it so um, so ubiquitous. And I guess we can talk about this later. I don't know what category it fits in, but it's sort of like a any time of day sandwich. Yeah, yeah. I well, I guess uh, if I had to shoehorn it, I would say maybe we could talk about that in a first date sandwich to see yeah. which. But type I mean, just of to make the point quickly, like you know, like you don't want a tuna melt for breakfast, but like PB and J for breakfast, like yeah, whatever, that's fine. No, it is a fair point. Yeah, and that like. If somebody had a BLT for breakfast, even though it's kind of weird because, like, bacon is sort of a breakfast food, but it, it still seems very gratuitous. Yeah, right. Exactly. But it's, if right. somebody, like, pulled out a PB&J at 10 a.m., I would be yeah. like, no. Yeah, whatever. I don't think you'd question it. No. I think it'd be fine. All right. I don't know. Do you rate what is your history with the sandwich, show? No, I don't rate that. No. No, it's not a All rateable right. topic. It's just a, you know, FYI for the folks at home. All right. Well, now let's get into the actual history of the sandwich, show. And so I searched for the history of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I found a couple, you know, actual, very detailed things about the history of it, uh, you know, peanut butter, yada, yada, yada. But then I found a really, I found a link to a website on the smuckers.com website that was like a, the history of peanut butter and jelly going back thousands of years. And I was very intrigued, Joe. So I clicked the link, but it was a dead website. But then I thought, Smuckers, jeez. But then I thought, Joe, what about archive.org? And yes, Joe, archive.org pulled it up. This this website was last on the internet in 2012, but archive.org had it. And now I have the full history of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich according to Smuckers. Wow. So this is like, this is like, like pulling out the Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, it's, it's like, this is. This is an archaeological find. It, it really is. It is amazing because if you actually like, Google like sentences from what I'm about to read, it's not on the internet anywhere because it only exists. It only exists, yes, in the in the archive.org scrolls. So, Joe, this again, this goes back three thousand years. So, what I'm going to do is they have headers for the various time periods and a brief summary of what happened, and then they have more detailed things that I can expound on. So, in the uh, idea of keeping this podcast shorter, I'm going to right. read all of the headers and the associated timelines, and then you can pick one or two that you really want to learn more about, and I will expound upon. All right. But everybody, everybody's really going to get a good 10,000-foot view of the history. 3000 BC. Egyptians break the first leavened bread. 1500 BC, peanuts discovered. 150 BC, bread bakers get organized. 14 AD, early recipes published. 1095, jelly and jam spread throughout Europe. Oh, that's cute. That's like a double entendre. Yeah, yeah. 1561, orange marmalade created. 1600s, jelly comes to America. 1762, the first sandwich. 1890, peanut butter invented. 1897, the J.M. Smucker Company founded. 1900, soft white bread introduced. 1903, George Washington Carver, father of the peanut industry. It's a real header right there. 1914, commercial peanut butters introduced. 
1927. The Greatest Invention, Sliced Bread. Ooh. 1940. Jams, Jellies, and Preserves. There is a difference. 1940s. PB&J becomes popular. 1958. Jif Peanut Butter Introduced. 1968. Goober Introduced. 1976. Peanut Farmer Jimmy Carter Elected President. 1993. World's Largest Peanut Butter and Jelly Sandwich. 2000. Uncrustables Introduced. <laughs> I like how that they feel like that's so iconic. Well, there is a little brand marketing in there, Joe. <laughs> just a bit. Just a bit. But I do feel, I mean, I feel like I've learned a lot about the history, not only of this sandwich, but all sandwiches. By the way, have you seen Uncrustables before? Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea what Uncrustables are. I don't know what Goober is. Okay. I mean, just, just for the record, look up what Uncrustables are. I feel like the whole the, the the name makes it seem like it has no crust, but an Uncrustable is really all crust. I mean, I don't know what that thing is. It doesn't look like a sandwich. I don't know what that... I, I don't know. Does unless anybody saying, buy that? Does that still exist? Is that still in business? Yeah. Unless they're saying that, like, um, to crust is like a verb. Like, you, you crust bread. Like, you... but And, like... This is uncrustable because it's all crust, so you can't crust it. It's uncrustable. Well, Joe, I mean, I did not think you were going to pick that one to expound upon, but I'm that no, is no. you no. no, Joe, Joe, too late. I'd like to no, no, no that's your no, one, no, your one no, choice. Damn it, Smuckers unveiled, unveiled uncrustables, <laughs> a convenient thaw Stop. and serve peanut care. butter and jelly sandwich with the crust already removed. Rewind. Well, Dan, right, what I want to hear about. On. I have two that I want to hear about. Okay. Uh, there was one that you said like early early recipes. I'd like to hear that because I feel like maybe there's an early version of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich they want to talk about there. And then I definitely want to hear the 1940s, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich becomes popular. Well, the early recipes was in 14 AD. So yeah, what do they do then? I want to hear about it. The world's first known recipe book of culinary matters was written by the Roman gastronome Marcos Gavius Apicius in the first century. Among others, the book includes recipes for fruit preserves. All right. I think it's a stretch to call that part of the peanut butter and jelly history, but okay. Hmm. Joe, maybe once we get to that 11th episode, we should get a copy of that book and just try to make an early, try to make a sandwich out of recipes that only existed at 14 AD. Ooh, I like it. I mean, Joe, we'll be the longest ever sandwich podcast, so I think we can just go fucking nuts. The Roman sandwich. Ooh. Wait, Joe. Is that what this podcast is going to be about? This will be the origin story for the new and best sandwich ever invented? Yeah, yeah. And we only it. could figure it out by first going into history, Joe. Mm-hmm. And, and and it was archived on the internet. So, <laughs> it was, so it was there the whole deep time. into the history. <laughs> the great, um, who, J.M., uh, what's his name? J.M. Smucker actually invented the most delicious sandwich 100 years ago, but it has been lost. I mean, that's a deep conspiracy. They had to bury – the sandwich was so good, they had to bury it on the internet. They had to scrub all records of it. And you, th- you, you had to go into the dark net to find it, Dan. If the sandwich had existed, all everybody would have done was just eat the sandwich instead of working or true. meeting uh, their uh, significant others and – 
making the next generation, they would have just sat around eating sandwiches until everybody died. Uncrustable sales would have plummeted. Yeah, <laughs> it's all it all comes back to Uncrustables, Joe. <laughs> all right, Dan, tell me the 1940s. I want to hear about the peanut butter and jelly sandwich becoming popular. PB&J becomes popular. Food historians do not know exactly when the peanut butter and jelly sandwich was first prepared, and there have been no advertisements or mentions of the PB&J before the 1960s. It is known, however, that both peanut butter and jelly were on the U.S. military rations menu in World War II, and some have suggested that the GIs added jelly to their peanut butter to make it more palatable. It was an instant hit, and returning GIs made peanut butter and jelly sales soar in the U.S., you know, it's funny. I had thought that maybe it would be a sort of like war rations type of history because of the fact that it's it's both, as you said, you know, relatively non or, you know, non-perishable food, high protein, also like high caloric value, but also, um, you know, it it's jarred food and like things that can come in jars and cans are like a premium when you're at war because they're easy to ship. Definitely, definitely. I mean, this is you could you could literally just fill up like a container full of peanut butter. Like, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they, they could just have like a giant cube of it, and the chefs could just slowly like chip off like sections of it, and then put it in whatever they were making. Yeah, no, I mean, it, how few sandwiches is the bread the most like difficult ingredient to like ship and manage? Yeah. So anyway. I love it. I love the history. I love the fact that you had to go to the dark net to find it, Dan. Uh, I give this 8 out of 10. Very, very comprehensive history. Yeah, I think it was a great history. And look, all thanks to Smuckers. And and, uh, yeah, that section was sponsored by Uncrustables. You know, that that kind of paid media, you can't, or or what is it called? Earned media? Earned media. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, look, you just can't crust an Uncrustable. People have tried. You can't crust it. Well, you say it's all crust, Joe. Yeah, but to to crust something is to like to crust something is like pitting an olive or like shelling a peanut. You're taking the like to crust something is to take the crust off of it. I think I know which case I'm bringing to sandwich court next week. <laughs> all hey, crust or no crust I've or very, both or both. I've, Maybe the barrister will have that third argument, Joe. It's both at the I've, same time. I have very strong. Uh, Uncrustable opinions. All right. Well, next up, you know, the thing is we certainly don't need to talk about in Sandwich Court is uh, do you need a toothpick in this sandwich, Joe? Because, look, we're going to talk about can this be in the regular rotation, which is prep availability and health. And I normally start with health, but prep for the sandwich is so simple. You literally take a piece of bread, put peanut butter on one side, put jelly on the other. The peanut butter and jelly glue the whole thing together. The prep time for the sandwich is what, uh, 30 seconds? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the easiest sandwich for, like, my kids to make. Like, you know, my daughter can make a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I mean, I, I know, like, a ham and cheese doesn't seem terribly difficult, but, like, I think managing meat is very stressful for a child. It's an easy sandwich to make. I could imagine. And it's like, I think if you're, your child is, like, making a ham sandwich, whatever, it's not nearly as satisfying because a PB&J feels like you're constructing it. Yeah, I mean... If you think about like a seven-year-old kid, if you walk into the kitchen, they're like, oh, I'm making myself a ham and cheese sandwich. You'd be like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but like if they're like, I'm making myself a peanut butter and sandwich, you'd be like, okay, good for you. Yeah. I think to me, the only challenge with the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is you've got one knife to get the peanut butter out. You've got one knife to get the jelly out. 
but I feel like whichever knife you use to actually cut it in half gets peanut butter or jelly where you don't want it. So I feel like you actually need three knives to make one sandwich. Maybe this is a sandwich court question. Why are you using different knives for your peanut butter and jelly? Oh, because you, I mean, whoa. If you're bringing this to sandwich court, I thought this was settled matter. You can't get the <laughs> peanut butter in the jelly or the jelly in the peanut butter. That's disgusting. Well, why? If you're only using it to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, who cares? Who, who cares? I, because then you can't control the ratios as well. And in the in the odd case that you do want to make just a peanut butter sandwich or whatever, or in the uh, much more uh, normal case where you want to put that jelly on like a piece of toast or whatever, you're you're mixing things up. That's insane. Also, I use a spoon, not a knife. So, I mean, we're, we're way off here. Wow. I, I don't like the spoon. I find the peanut butter very hard to spread with the spoon. <sighs> wow. I mean, this could be a, you know, this could be a whole sandwich court, I'm sure. Yeah. I, the spoon, I think, is fine with the jelly. But either way, I think it is a three-knife sandwich because if you cut it in half with the one with peanut butter on it, again, you get like peanut butter all over that edge and all over the top. If you cut it with the jelly one, you're getting jelly on the outside of the sandwich, which is exactly what you don't want because jelly is super sticky. So... Again. This is crazy. I mean, my household's not made of knives, Dan. I use one knife, one spoon. That's it. Yeah. Well, well. For, still, you're using one knife and one spoon. You can't cut it with a spoon. That's true. That's true. One knife and one spoon. You're right. Two dishes. All right. All yeah. right. All right. So I'm saying three. You're saying two. Either way, that's a lot. A ham and cheese, Joe, zero. Or maybe, you know, one for the knife. Okay. Now, now that we've sort of settled that. Health. You mentioned before... Uh, this sandwich very high in protein it, it sort of is it sort of isn't though i think it this also the sandwich is like a carb bomb like some of the other sandwich we've talked about it totals a pb and j and i literally made a pb and j i weighed out the peanut butter i weighed out the jelly and uh calculated their their calories based on that so the version i made which to me is a very standard version came up with uh 530 calories with 21 grams of fat 14 grams of protein, 75 grams of carbs. Now, the thing about this sandwich that is very interesting from a health perspective is it has a ton of sugar. Now, I had thought, okay, you know, because I had read that, oh, who combined the peanut butter and the jelly? Well, they said peanut butter is sweet, and they, they started mixing peanut butter to be sweeter. And, of course, jelly is sweet, so that's why they combined it. But it's like, Peanut butter has very little sugar in it. Like the entire serving of peanut butter I put on, which I thought was a lot of peanut butter, was yep. just a little over one serving. So uh, their serving size was 33 grams. The amount of peanut butter I put on without like weighing it or anything, and then I weighed it afterwards, the amount of peanut butter that I thought was like the good amount of peanut butter came in at 43 grams. So I put a little over a serving, and that has three grams of sugar in it. Now the jelly, on the other hand, I put jelly on one side of the sandwich, and I actually thought I put a very thin layer of jelly. I weighed it. It was nearly 40 grams of jelly, and the serving size for jelly was only 20 grams. So the jelly, they're sort of conning you with those um, nutrition facts, and the amount of jelly I put on the sandwich had 26 grams of sugar. So, you know, the jelly is, like, basically just, like... Yeah, it's, like, pure sugar. It's, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just pure sugar. And the peanut butter is, like, completely fine. I mean, the peanut butter is super nutritious, fat, protein, uh, you know, whatever. Not very many carbs. And then the jelly is just, like, pure sugar. And then, you know, adding that to bread, which is very carb-heavy. So it, it it's actually not a very protein-rich sandwich, but it is a very caloric sandwich. And I think sugar is 
bad for you, though. So I think all in all, this actually isn't the healthiest sandwich in the world. No, I don't think so. I think there are definitely healthier sandwiches out there. Yeah, and I think it's one of the reasons also that kids probably really like the sandwich more is I think kids generally like sweeter things than, than adults do. Yeah, kids kids are like sugar obsessed. The other thing is that like it is not, you know, um, a hearty sandwich. Like Like I feel like having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is like – I don't know if I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I would consider it a full meal. Where like we talked about like the the you know, um the bagel and locks was like I could barely finish it. Same yeah, with the falafel. Yeah. It, I and I think actually in both of those cases, like it's it's crazy that you're saying that and, and I agree with it so much because I've had two sandwiches, two peanut butter and jellies in the last five hours, and I honestly don't feel full right now. Right. And that's like over a thousand calories. Whereas right. I think those other sandwiches, because they're so salty, something about the salt or, or whatever it is just makes you feel more full than than this sandwich does. Or it's like the protein, the, right? I mean, sugar sugar will like give you some energy, but then it like, you know, you crash and you want more. Yeah. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen during this podcast. <laughs> but in terms of, of availability, I mean, you know, have you, other than this week... Have you ever ordered a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in a restaurant? So the one place I have, not in a restaurant, but there is a corner store that is also like a little produce stand, and they all they have a lot of pre-made sandwiches. And this is what I actually posted on Twitter. They make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that is, it uses this bread that's got like, um, it's got like uh, some sort of like jam or something like in the bread. It's I don't know. Yeah, some, I saw that picture. Yeah. yeah. And then that's they cool. actually put strawberries in the sam in the like peanut butter, and that's another thing about peanut butter as a uh, sort of ingredient in a sandwich. Like there's another sandwich which I really like, which is peanut butter and banana sandwich. Like peanut butter is perfect to put other ingredients in because the peanut butter just like glues it all in there. Right, right. So they make peanut butter and jelly. They don't use very much jelly, but they also put strawberries in there. I don't actually know what type of jam they're using, and that actually is another question. Is what do you think is the default jam flavor for a PB and J? Because I think that also opinions uh, vary based on that. But obviously, at a at a like fancy restaurant, like you're never going to see this on the menu, right? You're never going to see it on the menu at a fancy restaurant. I actually don't think you see it on the menu at most delis or sandwich shops. Maybe you see it on like a kids menu in a few places. And there's one, you know, sort of like there's like a hipsterish type of place in Seattle that does like a fancy version of a PB and J, and I feel like that's maybe becoming a little bit more popular. But like, yeah, for the most part, this is a, this is a at home sandwich or a sandwich you make and bring out, not a sandwich you're going to get while eating at a restaurant. I think it, the reason it wouldn't be at a restaurant is almost is two reasons. Number one, why would anybody, you know. This is the type of sandwich that, like, it's it's hard to imagine how a restaurant could spin this into a premium offering that somebody would be like, oh, I'll pay, like, $7 for right. this sandwich that I know I can make for, like, 50 cents. And number two, it's just got a ton of sugar in it. And I think that, you know, most adults who are at restaurants, like, they're just – they're not going to be interested in something that has 30 grams of sugar in it. Well, the other thing is, like, is a restaurant going to make its own peanut butter or make its own jam? Like, that's crazy. Like, that seems like a lot of work for something that not that many people would order. And I'll also argue, having had, uh, like, fancy peanut butter before, 
you know, I think the GIF actually, like, tastes better than... I think the fancier the peanut butter is, like, the worse it tastes. Oh, yeah, it's gross. Um, all right. So I think in terms of, of availability, obviously, it's not the healthiest sandwich. Super easy to make. There's a reason why... I mean, I mean, just... I make at least six of these every week. Not yeah, even before for you go. What what is the default uh, flavor of, of jelly or jam you use? Well, I think this is a I think this is a tough question, Dan. I mean, I don't know. What I use is I I use strawberry jam. Yeah, because I don't I don't like seeds in my jam, so I don't really like raspberry jam, and I don't like I don't like super tart jams, so. Right. Not that I don't like. I just prefer strawberry jam. See, it's, it's actually really interesting because my uh, tax wife was going to the store and I said, oh, we're running out of jam. Can you pick me up some jam for the PB&J? And she said, uh, you know, what kind? And I said, well, just get me whatever, you know, your default jam is. And she was like, uh, okay, that would be strawberry. And then I was like, wait a second. The default jam in a PB&J is grape. Like, right? I, I, I thought I was crazy, but she, she said, no, it's strawberry. Yeah. Well, I was about to say, if you, as, as a side, I feel like strawberry is the default jam. I feel like grape is the default jelly, though. Mm. Well, I mean, it is the peanut butter and jelly. So I think, I think maybe, I, I think the strawberry jam is like so, it's so within brand for the sandwich, it's still a PB&J. I mean, I guess it could be peanut butter and jam, too, now come to think of it. I feel like if you want to feel like you're eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich from when you were at camp as a kid, you get Wonder Bread, Jif peanut butter, and the, like, the Welch's grape jelly. No shout out to the JM Smuckers Corporation? The the Smuckers (laughs) grape jelly. I mean, it might all be under the same giant food conglomerate. Probably is. So I think in terms of, of availability, I think this is a six and a half out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. Wow. All right. I think it's fair. Can't get it at a restaurant. Hard to make it an everyday sandwich. All right. Well, now, is it a first date sandwich? And I think this is, you know, a point you brought up before, which I think is interesting. I think from a timing perspective, if you have a morning date, an afternoon date, or a night date, I think... It wouldn't be the craziest thing for a person eating a PB&J, though I am actually trying to think of a date scenario where eating a PB&J would be appropriate. Okay. I mean, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, like you know, in what date would you say like, oh, hey, I packed us some PB&J sandwiches. Uh, um, I, I guess if you were doing like a picnic first date, so you're going on a first date where you're like, you know what, it's a, it's a nice day out. Why don't we just take a take take a backpack and let's go sit outside and watch something something, right? You could only, so I think if you're going to do a first date like that, you have to be friends with the person. So <laughs> just to all our single people out there, do not go any go to a populated place for any first date unless you already know yeah. the person, in which case then it could or you could go I guess you could go to like a, a park or something. Yeah, it's a very bold first date choice, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's, it's very, very bold. But if you're friends with the person, like if you're, if it's like one of those movie type situations where, you know, you've like secretly known the person your entire life and you just, they just finally broke up with their boyfriend and you're ready to make your move, then I think, yeah, throw a picnic. And I think if it's in that situation, if it's in that movie, 
You're both sitting, you know, they've set up the picnic. It's sort of weird because the girl's starting to, like, think about you differently. And, you know, you're trying to bust out of that friend zone. Yep. yep. Well, I don't know. Do you think the PB&J is a good way to bust out of the friend zone? I, th- I think if you're in that situation, I think the PB&J is the only sandwich to bring. Wow. <laughs> What what's 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 going through your mind? What do you think's the play with that sandwich? I mean, in general, I just think it's a highly sexually charged sandwich. <laughs> How so? Well, you know, it has like spreadable ingredients, like like things that spread are 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 inherently sensual. Hmm. Oh, and you know, another thing that could go on. So you you pull out the PB and J's. She takes a bite. Yep. A little little jelly sort of gets gets on her lip. You sort of move over, and this is an important thing in dating, Joe. I know this uh, this wasn't a thing when you were, um, you know, meeting my sister like 20 years ago or whatever. But you got to establish physical contact at some point. You got to let her know, hey, you know, this is we're, this is a romantic endeavor. You come over, you rub a little jelly off, and then Joe, get this, you eat that jelly. Oh, interesting. I mean, interesting. Talk about sexually charged. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 getting hot just thinking about this. This is this is getting steamy, Dan. Yeah, but but again, this can only work in the situation where you're in a movie, you've known the person all through childhood, you're on this romantic picnic, and this romantic picnic is attempting to get yourself out of the friend zone. Right, right. If you're on a Absolutely. normal first date on an online dating service, do Don't not do, it. do Don't not do it. attempt this. Don't do it. Uh-uh. it other though, other than that, I think a PB and J can't come out until like the tenth date. It's a solid 10th date sandwich because you're very comfortable with the person and you're not worried. 10th date is when you're like, oh, you know, we're going on a hike today. Yeah. Yeah. And again, to your point, it's very sexually charged. So, I mean, it is a highly sexual sandwich. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you'd be ready for the implications of packing because the minute you pull out a PB&J sandwich, that that date's going to know what you want. Yeah. And I mean, honestly speaking, and, and I should have tested this this week, but I really didn't. But I'm wondering if there's one sandwich you could eat before having sex, the PB&J might be like the number one sandwich. Oh, 100%. Because it's, first of all, it's giving you that sugar rush. You, you want that high impact sugar rush. Protein absolutely. in there. Yep. So it's not like, I mean, obviously any super, like after a lox bagel, you're not having sex for multiple reasons. Yeah. First, you don't feel like moving. Second of all, your breath is going to smell like salmon for like the next two days. Yep. Yep. Garlicky no. sandwiches are out. Yeah, you don't want to yeah, you don't have sex after a falafel. Oh, definitely not. I think we haven't we haven't really talked about any phallic sandwiches yet. Uh maybe the meatball sub is the closest one. The meatball sub has problems for other reasons, but you know, there might be some 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 more shapely sandwiches like on a baguette that maybe helps helps loosen the mood a little bit, but yeah, other I mean than that, certainly I think, Joe, a hot dog is the most phallic of sandwiches. <laughs> I mean, I mean even if you're not planning to have sex after a hot dog, you might just end up there. Yeah, but I'm still not sure. Like, the hot dog's going to be a little heavy. Well, I don't know. I mean, honestly, this might be a category we add is, could you have sex Could you have sex directly after eating the sandwich? Could you and should you? Yeah. Uh, well, look, I think in terms of first date sandwiches, I think in the very specific scenario we talked about, it's the right pick. But you're not always in that scenario, so I'm going to say it's a... Five and a half out of ten. Five and a half. Now, Joe, do you know the first thing you do 
after you and your partner have finished eating your PB&Js and you're getting ready to have sex? No, what's that? You make sure to get verbal consent. <laughs> Do they make uh, Smucker's brand condoms? <laughs> because people should also be practicing safe PB&J sex. I mean, Joe, this is an interesting fact that I pulled up. Actually, the Trojan Condom Corporation, it's all in the same conglomerate. <laughs> I mean, That's how un- they get those flavored condoms. Uncrustables kind of look like, uh, you know, bread condoms. <laughs> well, Joe, <laughs> the, uh, the funny thing is, like, um, when I looked at the picture of the Uncrustables, it actually sort of looks to me like a McDonald's apple pie. And, uh, well, anyways, moving on. Is this sandwich a monster? Special thanks to Fanwitch Josh PhD for his research. He got it in just in the nick of time, and I'm glad he did because I think this is a very important category for the PB&J sandwich. Let's hear what he has to say. Is the PB&J a monster? No. In fact, it might even be positively good. Peanuts are efficient to farm, and they're even good for many soils since legumes have nitrogen-fixing properties. Nitrogen is important for plant growth making peanuts a kind of natural fertilizer if you're rotating crops. And aren't we all? And as for jelly, its impact can depend a lot on what type you're having, but overall, it's fine. It'd be hard to make a PB&J monstrous even if you tried Monster Scale, one of those nice monsters from the movie Monsters, Inc. Wow. Wow. So this is actually a sandwich that might be good for the environment? I mean, it sounds like it's positively good, Joe. If you're rotating those crops and avoiding the monoculture that's destroying the planet. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, I think, you know, what else can we say? I think PhD Josh may have found the most, the the least monstrous sandwich. Uh, you know, dare we go 10 out of 10? I mean, what could even be less? I, I guess you could just have a peanut butter sandwich, but it didn't, doesn't sound like jelly had any negative environmental impact itself. So, I, I mean, I don't see how you could get better than this. Now, what about the whole peanut allergy thing, though? I mean, is this sandwich a killer? Ah, now that is, that is interesting. It would be like one of those little monsters, but then if the monster's like fur was like an allergen... And then the monster was, like, trying to be nice to somebody, but a little kid, like, you know, got, had an allergic reaction and died. Yeah, like, how would we feel about the monsters in Monsters, Inc. if you're like, oh, they're really nice and friendly and funny, but, like, every thousandth kid, they just, they just fucking, like, straight up kill them. They just eat them. Yeah. You'd be like, well, that's not bad, but it's not great. Well, I think my example is more apropos because the peanut butter and jelly sandwich isn't attempting to kill the kid. It's really the kid's mistake. Well, I don't know that you can assign intentionality to any sandwich. I mean, they are, you know, inanimate objects. Now, I mean, if we're going based on that, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich also does seem very hard to choke on. Like, (laughs) you know, a BLT. That's a really really fair point. With that sharp bacon in there or, you know, any sandwich with a toothpick in it, Joe, you never know. That toothpick could come and get you. You know, PB&J, it seems like even if you don't have... Don't bring toothpicks back into this, Dan. Even if you don't have teeth, like, you can manage a PB&J. So, I don't know. It is killing people with allergies, but it's saving people from choking, Joe. I was going to go 10 out of 10, but because of the allergies, we're going to go 9 out of 10. Cost it a a whole point. So, in fact, the jelly sandwich might be the, the best sandwich. All right. Well, I guess when we when we get to that, you know, maybe... Or the, our, or the uh, soy nut butter and jelly. Ooh. 
we'll see how many episodes it takes before that go- goes on the uh, the old wheel. Uh, all right, Joe. Celebrity Bing search. I mean, for such an iconic sandwich, I I'm imagining some some huge celebrity action. And I mean, Joe, the we recorded an episode the day after the Golden Globes. You had a Golden Globe story. Is there? Did the uh, the producers of Green Book bribe all of the the voters with PB and J's? Well, I mean, there is. Have you seen Green Book? Because there there's a famous PB and J scene from the movie. I saw it last night. Yeah, I mean, there's the scene where they where the two the two like oddly paired, you know, like odd couple, um, you know, musician and his driver are making the peanut butter and jelly sandwich together, and then. Um, the driver gets peanut butter on his face and you know, the, I, I haven't seen the movie, Dan. I don't know. I know. I was really, <laughs> Just I making was really, things up. I was really wondering where you were going with that <laughs> because I watched it last night and I'm like, Hmm. I mean, the thing is up until the PB and J and the, your description of it though was like, fine. <laughs> I mean, honestly, this, the movie is so bad, Joe. I could just tell you uh, the one sentence synopsis of the movie, and I think you could you could write the entire plot. And like that scene could have been in the movie. Would I have been able to write it with a like comical PB and J scene? Like, is it like a deleted scene from the director's cut? Maybe. Uh, look, there there may or may not be a uh, a one of the characters is revealed to be gay in a inopportune moment in the Deep South, Joe. It could, you know. It, it could have easily been PB&J that caused the ensuing problems. So let me tell you about the Celebrity Bing search. In and fact, I, maybe it was a PB&J, actually. I, I actually want to go read the screenplay <laughs> for that particular – because they only show us the aftermath of what happens, but we don't know. Yeah. I mean, it was cut out of the movie, but it was – yeah, the scene where, where you know, it was it was the sensuality of the PB&J sandwich that really broke down that barrier and, um, you know, brought J.M. The, that, Smuckers <laughs> called them and was like, you cannot – we don't want our product being uh, connected to this lewd scene. <laughs> Do not associate our product with smut. <laughs> Smuckers is a family company. Goddamn yeah. it. <laughs> it is a good heterosexual product only for heterosexual couples. Um, so, you know, Dan, we, we, we're all about prod- process on this podcast. And when we agree to do something a certain way, we take the results as they come. So we have agreed that we are doing a celebrity Bing search where we search for that in Bing with the term celebrity next to it. So let me tell you the two things that came up. And it's such an interesting thing because you remember our first episode, we talked about the ham and cheese and we had two examples. We had uh, the ham and cheese sandwich being handed out at what was it? The Golden Globes or the... Yeah, the Golden Globes, yeah. Melissa McCarthy. The Golden Globes. And we also had the fact that Tom Brady, his favorite thing used to be ham and cheese sandwiches. So what are the first two things that come up when we talk about the PB&J? The first story is a story about apparently a few years ago, I don't know if you remember this, at the Emmys, Jimmy Kimmel's mom made 7,000 PB&J sandwiches for the audience. Wow. Wow. So it wasn't just passing on the red carpet. 7,000 was handed out to everyone there. I mean – it it is an award show sandwich though. It is. And I can actually tell from this picture she has giant jars of peanut butter and she has two giant jars of jam and one looks like grape and one looks like strawberry. So even this can't didn't settle our debate. Mm. 
well, I guess if people are looking under their seats and, you know, somebody was like, ooh, which one do they get? And they would inevitably get the wrong one and be like, damn. And then yeah. they'll, they'll look at their neighbor and say, oh, you got the, the strawberry? I wanted that. So so let me ask you this. Is a PB&J a better award show sandwich than a ham and cheese? I think so because a PB&J, you know, I'm, I'm always uh, very scared about my meats and having my meats left out and not being properly refrigerated. Yeah. Yeah. And a PB&J, yeah. you know, you wake up, you're, you, you win your Oscar – you're like on an all-night binge, and then it's like you st- start to see the sun rising. And, you know, this doesn't happen to me much nowadays, but in, in my past this happened. And then you're like, oh, the sun's coming up. I uh, I need to go to sleep. But then you also realize you're hungry, and then you also realize that everything is closed because it's like 6 in the morning. So then if you've got a ham and cheese, I'm not eating that. You know, I'm going to feel like, you know, no. I, I, I like reach in my back pocket the, the cheese is, is warm. The ham, like, is, is sour. But if I reach in my pocket and find that PB&J, I am in heaven. Because you can just eat that thing. You know it's fine. Go off to sleep. 100%. Yep. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you this, though. Is the PB&J the least offensive sandwich? Like, there's no one who has a religious objection to a PB&J. Is there? A- allergies aside... You know, I think that's that's the offensive. But yes, other than that, you know, there's no meat involved. I, I don't think any religion finds the peanut to be particularly sacred. If a no. religion did find a particular fruit to be sacred, that's okay. Because the, the sandwich can literally, any type of jam or jelly we've determined is, is fine. Yeah. I mean, it's a vegan sandwich. So you, even people who don't want any animal products, right? They're all good. Yeah. Yeah. So the second story... Unlike Tom Brady, this person still enjoys the sandwich despite their football career. I'm going to read this out loud to you. Peanut butter and jelly time. Contrary to the hilarious body armor video where Gronk is seen stuffing hot dogs down, Gronk prefers a different protein when it's game day. Peanut butter. Quote, right before the game, I get a little chocolate milk in me and a nice, healthy peanut butter and jelly. They taste good before a game even when your nerves are flowing. You know there what? You go. I think just like it's a good sandwich before sex, I think it's a good sandwich before a football game for the same reason. It's true. It's true. Gronk likes to keep his peanut butter options open, though. I like the strawberry jelly, but I like to switch up the peanut butter just to keep it lively every time. Wow. So he's going with the strawberry, too. And he said jelly, not jam. So he's strawberry jelly, but he switches the peanut butter, Dan. That's Very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Did you switch your peanut butter this week? No. I just used the classic smooth GIF. Yeah, that's what I used as well. Or is it is it pronounced GIF or GIF? I think it's GIF. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a stupid GIF GIF joke. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. It is. But it, it, look, your your jokes are so good there. Keep, keep, keep catching me off guard. <laughs> well, my tongue's getting twisted thinking about these uh, great things. But Joe, this when I also asked my wonderful tax wife to get me peanut butter, because I was like, uh, we we're running out of peanut butter too. She was like, and I, I said the same thing, just get the default peanut butter. And she said, Okay, so you want chunky. And I was like, whoa. Oh, she's a monster, Dan. Whoa. Hold on. You that put is not chunky the default peanut butter. peanut butter. And that's what she said. Yes, to her, 
the default PB&J is chunky peanut butter with strawberry, jam, or jelly. I didn't ask if it was jam or jelly. I'm not Does sure. Does Megan know what the term default means? It doesn't mean what she likes the most. It means well, like the, the basic version. Here's the thing. She's an only child. So I think for her, the idea of like other people thinking something different, she would never, you know, I'm sure when she was younger, she preferred this. And her parents just told her growing up, like, this is the only way to make the sandwich. Well, I mean, this is, this is, this is not, this marriage is not off to a good start, Dan. Well, I I didn't have it with Chunky. Maybe it's better with Chunky. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. It might be. We won't know. Yeah. All right, Joe. Well, we got Gronk, who, I mean, it does seem like of all the Patriots these days, he's by far the least detestable. I, I mean, I don't remember what we rated the sandwich in the first episode, but it has to be the same as what the ham and cheese got. Because, I mean, it's a great celebrity story. Jimmy Kimmel, you know, had he handed out 7,000 bagel and locks, that would have been super strange. And also, yeah, like, very strange. Somewhat, like, logistically untenable. But the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it's like it's a testament to how easy it is to make that, you know, they can make 7,000 of them. I think it's a good celebrity story, 7 out of 10. Yeah, I feel like it's a lateral move. I think Melissa McCarthy to Jimmy Kimmel's mom, it's a bit of a downgrade. But I think Gronk is a huge upgrade from Tom Brady. Also, and, Gronk still eats it. Yeah, and Tom Brady says, I don't eat this anymore, and Gronk's still eating it. I mean, I think Gronk is probably going to retire, but whatever. You know what? I, of all the Patriots... I like Gronk. So you know what? I, I mean, yeah. I think that's an upgrade, and I agree with you. I think this is uh, – I think it's it's good, very good celebrity work, Joe. Thank you, Dan. What's next? I mean, that's it, Joe. Oh, that's it. We've analyzed oh, wow. everything. We just need to take the PB&J, put it on the cutting board, and uh, I'll make my, my final pitch to you. Then You, you know, Dan, Dan, I, got, I have to stop you. I don't feel like we should put it on the cutting board. You don't feel we should put it on the cutting board. What are you going to do with it, Joe? Well, I mean, you just brought up this this question about chunkier, you know, smooth peanut butter. Um, I feel like this sandwich deserves a real deep dive in the sandwich lab. I feel like there are so many variations, and I feel like in order to properly judge this sandwich, I want to figure out what, for me and for you, and, you know, I'm sure it's different for every person, but I'd like to analyze what is the best version of this sandwich? So so wait a second. I mean, the way I'm seeing it, and again, I, I don't know what you're feeling, but I would make a very, well, I don't know what argument, well, I do know what argument I would make. <laughs> I would make a very strong argument either way on whether it should be on the menu or not. However, you do make a valid point that I actually... There are variants of the sandwich that I'm I'm not familiar with. Like, I only tried it with one type of peanut butter and one type of jam. I could try it with other types of jam. I could try it with other types of peanut butters. So is what you're saying to me that if I'm going to make an argument to you about inclusion on the menu, I need to be arguing the specific type of that sandwich that's going on the menu? I think I, think I understand why so many sandwich podcasts have failed to get past the peanut butter and jelly sandwich episode because it's 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 like this um you know it's like one of those like magic eye paintings that seems like super simple when you first look at it but then like when you really stare at it and you look at it in the right way it has these like layers and depth to it like i think that the peanut butter and jelly sandwich there's just so much more there that needs to be discussed i 
I feel like, Dan, for me, and maybe there's other things that you want to go into the sandwich lab and look at, but I think it'd be nice if we looked at the same things. There are really four things that I keep thinking about that I feel like we haven't fully vetted. Hmm. One is um, jam or jelly or marmalade choice. Like I want to try it with like 10 different kinds. I want to know which is – because you said what's the default. Well, you know what? As I reflected on that, I know I don't really like raspberry because I don't like super seedy uh, you know, jellies. I know that I really do like strawberry, but but maybe I like orange marmalade better. I don't know. I should try it. I mean, J.M. Smuckers did specifically uh, right. point out when orange marmalade was invented. Right. The second thing that I think needs to be really delved into is, you know, obviously the peanut butter choice. Crunchy, smooth, uh, you know, Maybe I'll try one of those like weird organic ones where you have to like mix the oil and all yeah. that stuff. Oh my god, I, I actually have one of those. It's I didn't use it because it's like so hard just to get out of the can. Like <laughs> I don't want there, to use it. Is there any worse feeling than coming home and realizing that you accidentally bought one of those kinds of peanut butter? Ugh. And the thing is, I would I thought when I was uh, doing the health thing that you know we have the organic one, and it was like, oh, I'm sure the the GIF one. <laughs> as you would say, <laughs> is full of sugar and the organic one, like, isn't because, like, of course, oh, yeah. you know. No, I'm it's sure. the same but amount of sugar, right? Yeah. But it was one gram higher. So the yeah. one I made had three grams yeah. and the organic one yeah. had two grams. So yeah. it was like, give me a break. It's nothing. So so I'd like to really analyze peanut butter choice. The other thing that I really want to figure out is what is the ideal peanut butter to jam ratio? Mm. And the fourth thing is is – I, I I I didn't try it this weekend. I sort of wanted to, but then I just wanted to try like the classic version that I make every day. Because what's funny is I don't really eat them all that often right now because I'm, I'm making so many for my kids. So I wanted to really try it. But um, I'd like to delve into bread disposition a little bit. Do I like it without crust or with crust? Do I like it warmed up maybe? A little bit of a grilled PB&J. Uh, Do each so, of us have to buy the Uncrustables and compare that to our version? <laughs> I may buy an Uncrustable this week. I'll be honest. Wow. Wow. Find it at your local store. I don't even know what aisle that would possibly be in. It's it's in the Uncrustable aisle. They have their own aisle. <laughs> it's There's a lot of, of varieties, I think. Yes. There's an Uncrustable display at the end of every aisle. <laughs> there is. There is. Does your grocery store not have an Uncrustable vending machine? <laughs> I actually think when you walk in, there's like a specific worker that's like, uh, are you looking for the Uncrustables? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. The Smuckers Concierge. Sure. They have those in most <laughs> grocery stores. Yeah. Yeah, good union, good union job. The Smucker's greeter. It's a good job for retirees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would like to take the PB and J, put it in the fridge, wrap it in some tin foil, and come back to it next week with a little bit of a special PB and J sandwich lab episode. Okay, so if I understand this correctly, I'm I'm just going to put myself in the mind of the the. The mind of the listener here. Uh-huh. Their their favorite part of the podcast is what we do next when they hope that we get the listener wheel, which we listen literally our biggest, well, one of our biggest fan, which is he wrote an entire essay about how much he loved the listener wheel and how he wants it to happen every week. And you are just saying, we're not doing that. No, we're not doing it. And instead, next week, we're going to have a special all Sandwich Lab episode where we're throwing out these categories because we've already done them and we're just going to delve into 
various different combinations, and we are not going to answer the question of, does the PB&J go on the menu? We're going to answer the question, what is our favorite variant of the PB&J? And then secondly, does the PB&J go on the menu? Correct. Now, if you want, Dan, we can still spin the wheel to see if it lands on Fan Sandwich just to upset Music Laureate Jeff. Well, we could do an official spin, and then it would just replace next week's spin. No, let's spin it next week. People got to come back for that. All right. Well, here I will. I will do a unofficial spin. Just if it comes up, listener wheel, they're going to be so upset, Joe. <laughs> All right. Here we go. This I is guess not this, an official I mean, spin. This doesn't even count. It's spinning. It doesn't count. Doesn't matter. Oh my god. All right. It wasn't listeners anyway. It was you. Hey, this All is right. perfect, Joe. Yeah. It was you, yeah. and this is what you decided. So we got it out of the way. That's great. That's great. Well, I mean, I've got something to add to the listener wheel, but I guess it's a moot point, so I'll just talk about it next week. Uh, so, sorry, Samuel. Your suggestion is noted, but we'll, we'll add it next week because there's not going to be any spin. And, um, you know, there were also questions about increasing the, the size of the listener wheel section, which I, I actually... I have to say, I was uh, I was moved. I, I, I felt something in terms of uh, going that direction. But I guess, again, moot point. I think once we go through this rotation of getting all of these sandwich wheels out of the way, we can we can address the, the percentages. I'm fine with that. Do you think we're taking a extraordinary risk knowing that the PB&J sandwich is sort of like the Afghanistan for a sandwich podcast? By dedicating another episode to it, are we, like, doubling our risk that this is just going to be the end of the podcast? Dan, can you see the giant Mission Accomplished banner behind me? I think we're in great shape. Are we nation building here, Joe, and we should just be getting out? We have a whole coalition behind us. includes Brazil, Guam. Should we just ask the Taliban what they think about the PB&J and just get out? I'm sure they love it. I mean— I think theirs is, uh, you know, PB and Poppy or something, but it's fine. Yeah, a nice opium waste sandwich. Good. <laughs> Although you're not going to like it, Joe, with all those seeds in there. Dan, do you have a uh, lunch pail for us? Uh, I do not, Joe. I do. All right. Well, I mean, there's no wheel spin. There's no... Yeah, and it's already like a two-hour episode, so we might as well just yeah, embrace it's, it. It's our longest episode. Of course, this is this is how all these sandwich <laughs> podcasts die in the, the PB&J episode. So uh, here, let's get a quick lunch pail and get the hell out of here. From Cold Crush 82 on Reddit, I attempted to listen to your Meatball Sub episode to give you a shot. Never again. Why even bring up Subway? For way, way too long and no room for customization. If you put a gun to my head, I would order a meatball sub at Subway on Italian urban cheese, ultimate garlic bread, garlic butter first, mozzarella, parmesan, and oregano before a pre-toast. I mean, this guy knows his Subway for someone who's really bashing it. At this point, add the balls, add it to one side, add pepperoni to the other side, then have them add provolone and have them toast a sandwich. After being toasted, add a bunch more parm and then black pepper, pepperoncini, and or cherry peppers. Uh, feel free to add red onion or spinach post-bake. Finish with a squirt of Caesar dressing. That's how you make a Subway meatball sub. Subway used to have pizza. They used to make it out of the stupid rectangular fat bread. Flat bread. When they, when and where do Subways have flat frozen pizza crust at the moment? Subway no longer has either. 
this person is a subway expert for somebody who's very mad about how long we talked about it. What was there a question there? Continuing. <laughs> adding pork to a meatball is fancy? Adding fillers? No, it's it's both are cost effective as well as traditional, a way of stretching out your protein. Do you know what's not traditional in Italy? Do you, Dan? Uh, uh, I'm sure there are a thousand things. Um, <laughs> running with the bulls. Eating meatballs on a base of pasta. Frozen meatballs, huge buns on huge balls, three to a bun. Hot dog buns, microwave, balls marinating. It's called braising them. Uh, I hated this. And the two of you and your banal banter so much, I decided to rant on the internet. And, and then, this is, the, this is my favorite part. DM me if you ever come to New York, and I'll show you what a meatball hero is all about. In the meantime, stick to... Sounds like a trap. Stick to tea sandwiches, please. They seem more your speed. Or I give you a recipe for a real meatball and real sauce if you prefer. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to skip the rest. For the love of the sandwich gods, please stop. Sincerely, an actual sandwich lover. Well, maybe this is why all the people stop, because of emails like this, Joe. But Dan, you know what I'll say and what I told Cold Crush 82 is, you know, we've been to this rodeo before, Dan. This person is clearly a meatball sub expert. And you remember in the NFL podcast, if you were an Atlanta Falcons fan, your least favorite episode was when we talked about the Atlanta Falcons because you knew way more, you know, way more than we did. And people were mad at us for talking about like the only thing in Tampa Bay was – to see was the giant bridge. Well, guess what? When you look online, that's the only popular thing in Tampa Bay. But then those people like the episodes that aren't about their city or about their team. Same thing happened with the World Cup podcast. I feel like Cold Crush 82 would actually enjoy our banal banter about a sandwich that he or she knew less about. Well, Joe, this is definitely a he. You think so? 100%. I thought there was a strong feminine energy there. (laughs) I think... I think the meatball sub, I mean, look, I don't want to I don't want to assign genders to it, but I think it's already a very masculine sandwich with a masculine user base, and then I think when you're adding in a lot of this um this hate, it it, it feels like a, a young M&M actually. <laughs> I mean, the sandwich does have balls, so I mean, I can see why you, you feel like it's a masculine sandwich. It's a masculine. Now, it as during this rant when he was saying three balls was he saying three balls is bad yeah i think i think you know maybe 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 he or she could clarify but uh i think that they are more of like a a 10 ball person like they want the tiny balls see i mean that just it really goes against you know what me and my lovely tax wife i think we're going on our honeymoon to japan but i might once we're in japan I might convince her to take a quick trip to Italy yeah. just to get an yeah. authentic meatball sub and check yeah. it out. Yeah. Well, don't don't ask for meatballs on pasta. They won't do it there. I, I, I won't. I don't. I'll just be like, I want a they'll meatball refuse. sub. And they'll be like, well, you don't want that on spaghetti. And I was like, no, I asked for it a sub. Well, and if you, you want guys, a meatball sub in Italy, and I hate to say this because Cold Crush is, is not going to like it, you know there are subways in Italy. <laughs> Wait, I don't even have to leave the airport. I'll just no. fly to Rome. No. I'm sure there's a subway in the airport. No, Boom. I've been to the subway in the Rome airport. It's it's delicious. They still have the pizza there. It, it hasn't left Italy yet. 
And, you know, really interestingly, they also put serve spaghetti and meatballs there. <laughs> it's, it's true. True. And you can, you can get, like, the provolone cheese on it. You can get that weird Subway turkey. It's good. Mm. It's great. Mm. Great. All right. Well, thank you, uh, who have cold cut whatever. Yep. Very nice of you. Um, hey, look. You know, Joe, we made it past the meatball sub episode, at least. That will not be our final episode, for sure. Nope. nope. We may... We may just, you know, this may be, this P, this PB&J might be the first of a six-parter. We don't know. I mean, if our podcast ends getting mired in the PB&J, like so many who have come before us, Joe, I will not stand for it. If if we cannot come to a conclusion on the PB&J next week, I may quit the podcast, Joe. <laughs> I think you're going to have to make up your mind. I mean, I feel like uh, Cold Crush might be my new co-host. <laughs> I, I'd listen to that. I think it'd be good to get a good male-female dynamic, too. Well, who knows, Joe? Who knows? All right. Well, this is already a longest episode. It's too long. Time to put the bread away until next week. Well, don't put the bread away. We need it for next week. Keep keep the bread out. <laughs> this whole thing will have to be rewritten on the fly by me or reset. All right. Time to put the bread. Uh, well, I guess take the bread out because we're going to be experimenting with lots of different versions of the sandwich until next week. Joe Picks a Sandwich is part of the Joe Picks Podcast Network. Not associated with Joe Picks the person, though. Or Joe Sandwich. They're individuals, not associated with us. However, the executive producer of this podcast is Dick Wolf. Correct. To listen to all of our podcasts, go to JoePicksPod.com or join the lively discussion on our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash JoePicks. Or, or go to Twitter.com, follow us at JoePicksPod. If you want to talk about what we got right or wrong with the PB&J, or if you have a strong opinion about next week's sandwich, the PB&J, Leave a comment on the Reddit page or email us at sandwich at joepixpod.com. Special thanks to superfan Josh for his research. His book, Red Me Republic, is on bookshelves everywhere this May. It's available for pre-orders on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. Also, thanks to Fanwitch Jeff for the theme song. Leave Dan, us a five-star been, rating. Dan, Dan, we've been remiss in not thanking, by the way, Fanwitch Julia for our beautiful logo. All right. Thanks to Fanwitch Julia for the logo. You're right. I feel bad, Joe. You know, sometimes it's like uh, I when somebody whose family does something, it's just like you forget that they actually did work. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you should feel bad. I do. I forget. I do. Yeah. I feel bad. Also, this is a time I was supposed to say this much earlier in the podcast, but now I'm saving it till the end, which is a really dumb place to save this. But since we're here and I remember, I'm going to say it now. Some people haven't switched the new feed. So I'm only releasing the podcast on the new feed on Wednesdays. On the old feed, Fridays. So oh. in, perpe- in perpetuity, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, why did this come out on Friday and not Wednesday? You're listening to the wrong feed. It only comes out on Wednesday on the new feed. Joe Picks a Sandwich. If you're listening on Joe Picks a World Cup team, Fridays. Switch over. Oh, like half of the people are still listening on the old feed. No good. It's so much better on the new feed. It's much better. I mean, they wouldn't be seeing Fanwich Julia's new logo if they're on the old feed. Look, I don't want, I, I don't want to uh, pressure people. All I'll say is, come try the new feed j- just for one episode. Trust me, you're going to love it. Yeah, well, you're going to every. It's going to be like going into the future because you're going to be like uh, just getting everything two days sooner. Yep. <sighs> All right, uh, leave us a five star rating in the iTunes store so others can find this podcast. But only if you're on the new feed. Don't leave five star reviews in the old feed. All right, what an episode, Joe. Go to the Reddit page too. Leave, leave us a sandwich court. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. Hopefully, Joe. This wasn't our last episode. Hopefully there'll be more sandwich courts to come. See you next week.
See you, Dan.